Welcome to Babylon of Brews. Deep thoughts fermented over time and text. I'm coming at you, Aaron Crew Juice Viverka, and I've got Gumby. Hey, what's up? And I've got Ray. Now, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Now, Ray. Great. How do you pronounce your last name? It looks like Grijalba. So the J is like an H, so it's Grijalba. Gra- okay, Grijalba. Okay. Very like good. That. Yeah. People always get it wrong. It's, it's funny that my favorite my favorite joke mistake is Gibbledy Juke. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's awesome. Well, I, I've had every name called to me growing up because my real name is Gamaliel. Oh wow! Yeah, you know from the Book of Acts. Exactly. And so, of course, I didn't want to be called that my whole life growing up. So my nickname was Gumby. But for school, you know, they try to say Gamaliel and. I heard Gargamel, uh, Gamaliel, Gamaliel. I mean, I've had every pronunciation. Yeah. Gabriel. How does a B get in there? It's silent. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, same thing with my last name, Viverka, Vavar- right? Because it's, yeah. uh, it's a Czech oh, name. A strong name. It's strong. Uh, I've never got that back on a pizza order. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> We are starting the night off with Heavy Seas Tropicannon. It's a punchy, fruit-forward Tropicannon bursts with juicy flavors of blood orange, grapefruit, mango, and lemon. Packed with Simcoe and Citra, we kick up the citrus flavor with orange and grapefruit peel. The unexpected, bold, tropical flavors of Tropicannon are refreshing as they are smooth. It has a style of IPA. An ABV of 7.25. It's a good... Mm. All right. And uh, unfortunately, the IBU was not available. <laughs> oh. So here we go. We're going to have to drink it anyway. Woo. That is foaming right up. Now, this is one of my top two favorite IPAs right now, just so everyone knows. This one, and uh, hopefully we get to the other one, Orange Whip. These two are a heavy hitter. Like We're talking about red corner, blue corner. That's how good these two are. Yeah, this is really good. I, I always take a sip out of the can first because <laughs> I feel like, you know. I hear you. It's, it's very heady. I mean, there's plenty. It foams up well. It definitely foams up well. It has a nice, deep orange look to it. You can tell that they used good orange peels. And... Uh, off the top, the citrusy aromas are phenomenal. That's really good. Right? That's really good, Aaron. You did good. Mm. Thank you, sir. Yeah, this is one I've always recommended and can still recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After going through all the different IPAs, all the different fruity IPAs, this is still at the top of my list. So this one and Orange Whip, these two right here are at the very top of my list. I'm not sure... At this time, which one's going to top out? But this has always been near the top or at the top. Seven point two five. Oh yeah. That's that's this is pretty dangerous actually because <laughs> it's very smooth. Oh yeah. I think the orange kind of masks it, you know. Yeah. The, the blood orange flavor and uh, and a little bit of grapefruit flavor mm-hmm. it definitely overtones nicely. Mm. Good job, guys at Heavy Seas. Right. <laughs> All right, Racer, we want to know who you are. Yes, so uh, I am uh, I'm 27. All right. So that's, uh, I guess that's the first note. I work for Lockheed Martin uh, in program management. I started, or I studied engineering, so I'm a materials engineer by trade, um, but then got into that industry and uh, switched over there. Um, so I have a YouTube channel called the joy of the faith. We post every Wednesday on a bunch of different stuff. Um, basically showing that, uh, I, I feel like there's a common notion that if you actually practice your faith, your life is horrible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, don't you guys like get that, you know, like people are like, why would I practice faith? Then my life's gonna be like crap, you know? Right. Um, yeah, but, I'm, I'm evangelical. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? So I'm like, Oh no. Uh, actually if you live your life god like and and like properly order everything to god everything falls into place so it's really amazing because um i i guess being being like 
in this generation and seeing like all of my friends that like at one time I was living like similar to them and like seeing how God has blessed my life and um, like by me surrendering my will to his, it's allowed me to have like a life that I could have never imagined before. Mm. Um, And of course, it's not that we like live this life of faith for like great joy, but like great joy comes from it because joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? And uh, the only way we're truly joyful is by, well, first of all, prayer, because how do you get joy but through prayer, uh, even when it's hard? Um, but there, there's just so much that we see in Galatians, right? And uh, I, I just love it. So that's that's kind of what we're going for. I've actually wanted to, to go through um, like the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit uh, and virtues uh, in YouTube videos, but I haven't gotten there yet. So I do a bunch of stuff, but one of the one of the videos I made recently, well, a year ago in September, was on Eucharistic miracles, and it almost has half a million views, which I'm amazed by that. And uh, that's kind of led me on a journey. That's yeah, right. That's kind of led me on a journey that's been unbelievable. But I want to I want to give a shout out to my favorite to like the person that if he didn't if he didn't like live the life he did, I probably wouldn't be here. Uh, is Archbishop Fulton Sheen? So he was like yes. the first evangelist love him and uh so if you go to my youtube channel you'll see a bunch of highlight videos from him like some of the funniest things he said some of like the most impact like profound things that he said um and it's really he was really the first one that i actually heard preach and was like wow this actually matters because uh, i think universalism is a big um a big uh challenge to the faith these days that like everyone is going to heaven and uh, you just have to be like a good person mm. And that was kind of what I was raised with. It was like, just be a good person, you'll go to heaven. You know, like just don't kill anyone or whatever, and you'll you'll probably go to heaven. And um, so, like, that's not very challenging. Right. And um, like, that's like, didn't Jesus say, "Be perfect, like my heavenly Father is perfect"? And um, like, He calls us higher, and He calls us to love like Him. You know, like with this agape love. And um, I never heard, well, even the agape love, I never heard that before. I heard it from Him. So uh, He is He's definitely like. When he becomes a saint, he'll be my favorite saint. And although he died before I was born, I've read so much from him and listened to him. And it's just, uh, I'm just so grateful for like this man that gave so much of himself for love of God, you know, and for the salvation of souls. And um, yeah, so he he was the first one to use radio and TV to bring the gospel to the world. And uh, YouTube is just another way of doing that. So started this about four years ago now, my wife, encouraged me to do so and it's been it's been awesome so i uh that's that's a little bit about me nice i always say that fulton sheet is the only televangelist i can trust (laughs) (laughs) oh stop it kenneth copeland you could trust him (laughs) benny Hinn. all right i mean they got anybody with two or more jets you can trust right definitely (laughs) did you guys see like that that thing where he's like preaching and they have that guitar guy that's going while he's doing it I think I missed that uh, one. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. They have like this like hard rock guitar while he's going, like synchronized to like, he's like, it's it's just hilarious. I'll have to send it to you. Send it's us so, the link. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's so, awesome. Um, I, think, I think Christianity gets a bad rap these days because of like, uh, well, a lot of things, but um, yeah, we'll get into that later. So Okay. Well, so... Before we go into what a Eucharistic miracle is, because we're an interfaith podcast, so we have uh, evangelicals, we have uh, some people who are Islamic, we even have some atheists that listen to us. Um, so what is the Eucharist? All right, so this is a big thing. This is probably one of the craziest teachings uh, of Jesus here. So right, so uh, it's, it's obviously heavily contested in the last 500 years, but um, for many centuries when jesus said this is my body we took him at his word and believed that that bread became his body um we also see in john 6 that he said like unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood uh, and, and and the words that he used in greek and all this we there's all this apologetics but basically we believe that when jesus said this is my body that bread became his body and we see things like first corinthians eleven twenty seven that talks about you know properly discerning before you eat the flesh uh and drink the cup um, and, uh, there's, there's so much. So that's basically what the Eucharist is that we believe that it is the body of Christ. It's a, what looks and tastes and is molecularly under a microscope bread has become the body of Christ because Christ 
who has the ultimate authority said it. And when God speaks, things happen, right? When God said, let there be light, light was there. And when he said, you're healed, people were healed. So um, we, we, we hear that and, and many, many think that there is, you know, a metaphorical sense to it. And uh, so that's, that's some of the stuff that we're gonna address in the film um, because of the, the great consensus among history. But I think it also does, like it's important to, to remember that like, um, that uh, it, is, it is what some people will be like, it's not, a, it's not just a symbol, right? And it's, it's really cool because I love being Catholic because there's like the both, right? Like you even talk about salvation, like there's faith and works or like faith or works, right? You're either saved by faith or works, but like Catholics are like, no, it's both, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, it's either a symbol or it's literal. And we're like, no, it's both, right? Cause the bread is symbolic of like the work of our hands, you know? Um, and the wine is also symbolic. Like, so it's really cool, all of that, you know? Um, so I, I, that was something I actually learned. I'd never heard that before, but Tim Staples, who's an amazing apologist. He's great. Uh, at that. And I was like, wow. So we got to interview him for the film and it's just been really amazing. We got back from Scott Hahn like two days ago and uh we 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 have the best theologians out there addressing this and we have uh we had father ripperger who's an exorcist talk about yes, it from the perspective, yes. <laughs> and that was really amazing so it's just been really cool seeing how the holy spirit works i really hope this is like a very much ecumenical movie um because uh let's be honest guys everyone out there of every faith um belief in god is like decreasing that's actually going to be one of like the opening things of the movie that I, I was doing the research today uh, in 2010, 76% of people or sorry, like 84% of people associated or ascribe themselves to believing in some sort of God. Right. And now it's, it's 29% that believe there is either no God, they don't care or like nothing in particular. So we hear this rise of those that don't believe in God. And, um, to be honest, uh, I think Christians have done a bad job, like teaching, you know, yeah. and um, so we're like part to blame, but uh, it's also the media and different things like this. So I hope that this will help point people in the right direction, because um, I think that uh, if this is true, it's a big deal, right? Yeah. And it needs to be something that's shared. Um, but at the end of the day, what what is like, what's going to be a core of this movie is like, I'm the main actor in the movie and I have twin sons who just turned two like three days ago. And uh, it's, it's like kind of like a father's journey because no matter what you believe, right. Even if you're atheist, like actually do your due diligence and be consistent. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that's a big challenge across the board mm. with everyone. Right. I, I, I listen to a lot of skeptics. Matt Dillahunty is a, a pretty well-known atheist. <laughs> yeah. We know. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, do you actually know him? I don't know him personally, but we know of him and yeah, see oh, yeah. his videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, so. I'm, I'm not. I think he's way smarter than me. So, Matt, if you're listening, um, I just want you to be consistent because he was talking about the Shroud of Turin. And he's like, oh yeah, like the fake Shroud of Turin, and uh, he's like, yeah, just read Joe Nichols' book on the Shroud of Turin, and I'm like, oh, okay, so you have faith in Joe Nichols? <laughs> Tell me how many PhDs that guy has. Oh yeah, like I, I mean, in like science, you know. Oh, yeah. um, it's funny because like, let's just be consistent here. You know, if you are going to, um, cause I, I do believe the, the shroud train is authentic for several reasons, but, um, it's like, or he's like, Oh yeah. Mother Teresa is a horrible person. Just read that book by what's his name. Christopher Hitchens, you know? Yes, yep. Oh yeah. Christopher Hitchens actually knew Mother Teresa. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. let's be consistent here. Um, no matter what side of the spectrum you are on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like not rush to rash judgments based on something that you don't know. And uh, it's, it's very easy to do that because it fits your like agenda. But um, yeah, that's that I, I might be going on a tangent there, but that's where I think it's very important to be. Um, and, and, and uh, I, you know, I think that is where like, if, if we're actually consistent, um, you'll end up becoming Catholic <laughs> right? <laughs> like, except, except, for, except for things on like the death penalty that have seemed to be wavering in recent history, unfortunately, but, uh, but like different things that like uh, it, it's, it's really, I just love it. There, there's so much out there. And um, yeah. And, and not to say the church is always consistent on stuff because there are things that 
I think that there haven't that haven't always been consistent on, and there are things that are kind of frustrating, like in every church, right? right. Um, but uh, it's I just there's so much to love, and uh, Jesus is really doing some amazing stuff today. Oh, yeah. um, it's crazy. I, I think like this is like like if only Christians like 200 years ago could be in our times, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you guys really have a heavy cross, you know. But <laughs> at the same time, right, set of bounds, grace of bounds, all the more. So. Right, um, yeah. It's, it's really, uh, I'm just excited and, uh, I can't believe like God allowed us to live in this time, you know, it is phenomenal. I mean, yeah. it, it was part, it, it was teachings like the Eucharist that caused my reversion because I was, I was also evangelical, right? Um, yeah. I was baptized in the church when I was a little kid. My parents pulled me out while I was still a little kid. And then, um, I became very very much a, a big reader in the in the Bible research, even going into the Greek and Hebrew uh, contextual. Right. Yeah, looking at contextualism. But then I started. Well, hold on. What are the surrounding documents? So, what are the supporting documents for the Bible of the time? And it was those things that started leading me. And then you read things like Athanasius. You started reading things like Ignatius of Antioch, and you know. In fact, Ignatius went so far as to say, don't even associate with people who say that the Eucharist is not the presence of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> right. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, and he's this is somebody who was discipled by none other than John, right? John the Apostle. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm going to give Lee Strobel a shout-out because uh, we're, we're very much paralleling our movie off of his Case for Christ movie Yeah, because it was so well done. Um but uh, he, he actually, in, in some of his talks, he, he cites the first popes. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you missing, brother? Come on, you know? Right. Uh, it, it's funny, it's funny. That's, that's what I'm talking about, like the consistency there. Like, um, so, but, but regardless, um, I think that, uh, I think that Satan is very good at what he does. I always say that he's very good at what he does in like yes. dividing, in dividing the churches. Like Dr. James White, you guys know him? Yeah. Um, it, I, I, isn't that guy so interesting? Like, he is so <laughs> brilliant, but I just feel like he has such a hatred in his heart, mm, you know, interesting. Um, for Catholicism. And it's very, it's, I mean, it's just like, it's such a condescending, like spirit that I see within him. Obviously I don't know the man. So I don't, James, if you're watching, um, I, I don't want to be, cause like, at least he'll debate and like, he'll, but oh, yeah. it, uh, I see that like, we can, we can instantly like point people as our enemy, even within the church, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, let's actually talk. And, and um, yeah, so there's just so many things, but I think that that's why, like, um, I think that's why, like, we need to have like these honest conversations and um, not quickly like name call. Oh you yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To put somebody in this group or in that group and it's, yeah, it's, it's what we do here in Western society overall, not just right. in the religious realm, but outside of that. We we're quick to put somebody in this group, quick to put somebody in that group. You're right, you're left, you're you drink Coke, you drink Pepsi, whatever. But it happens <laughs> in the church and I think that is an easy way, it always has been an easy way to divide the church. Yeah. So going yeah. back to your earlier comment on the disbelief in God, you know, I think if the the proof and the existence of the Eucharist in its, you know, in its authenticity of what you guys do. I'm not Catholic, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if that's something that this generation, like you were saying, of people, especially younger people that right. we need to have faith, uh, is something to grab onto, tangible, I'm all for it. As someone who's not Catholic, you know, yeah. let's, we, we need something that unites us all under the Christian church. Right. You know, because I grew up, my mom used to be Catholic, but then she was uh, converted to what she thought was actual Christianity. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was raised with, you know, being Pentecostal, evangelical. Yeah. And so I understand, you know, when you brought up Dr. James White, uh, I, I understand that sentiment because I was raised with it. Yeah. And so I don't agree with it. I don't, you know, and I could see that that's just a ploy to keep us divided, all, all of us divided. Yeah. So that's interesting you say that because I never thought of it in that way, but I think that makes a lot of sense. You know? Yeah. Uh, like I think it, a lot of it comes down to like, um, like I love Tim Tebow, man. Tim Tebow has <laughs> such an influence in my life. And uh, it's just like 
so like the chosen right um we went out for the the sermon on the mount that they had and it was just like the most amazing experience they were just so loving and i just it was just so amazing to see like wow this is like what the body of christ looked like mm-hmm. looks like you know but it was so sad at the same time because i was like man how many times do i go to like my, my parish not my parish i have a pretty good parish but like how many times do i go to parishes and i feel like no one even wants me there you know yeah. or like no one even wants to be there you know mm-hmm. and um it's just it's it's so interesting um I, I think I think that like people people don't believe in the power of Jesus and like how like he can do anything and uh, like they like they don't know him right so because they don't know him they they just see religion as like a bunch of rules of and yeah. I think that's what's led to like the new atheists because they like hate this idea of you you, in, you you inflicting rules that like have no basis yeah. um and like look at these christians who are doing all these horrible things but we, we digress so um <laughs> that's so, yeah a, that's actually why we started uh this podcast was to expand on those ideas that's why it's an interfaith podcast evangelical mm-hmm. christian uh in fact many nights we have uh an atheist on with us great uh, so we we round table all this i've we've brought in my uh, my islamic friend before so that, that way everyone gets to actually talk and show yeah. and share their views. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's, I think it's very important to listen, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it definitely like opens your mind in, in preparation for this movie. I've listened to a lot of atheists because I want to get their perspective. And of course I've listened to it. Like I listened to like all of Dr. James White stuff, you know? Um, cause I want to get like, cause I, he's a very smart man and uh, yeah. I respect him a lot for all the reading that he's done. So I want to get that perspective. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, like if we are really trying to go to heaven and love Jesus, charity has got to be something that's super huge, you know? Yes. And um, like we can, that's where like the ploy to keep people divided, I think is very dangerous. Mm. And I fear for those that are going to go to meet Jesus and he's going to be like, you knew the truth, but you wanted people to follow you more than to follow me. Yeah. Mm. I agree. And that's a scary day. Not to say that's James White. No, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not saying that. But um, yeah. I'm sure there are people out there that knew the truth, but were like, this is going to cost me too much. You know? Yeah. But like, isn't he the pearl of great price? Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So going back to the Eucharist, then what mm-hmm. would then what would be a Eucharistic miracle? Yeah, so there's several types of miracles, but the ones that we cover in the movie are where the bread transforms into flesh. So like I said before, the bread, uh, even grammatically, when Jesus said, this is my body, he was like, what I'm holding in my hands is my body, you know, Um, like this is me. So these are times where the reality has been shown to us, where the, the, the bread has turned into flesh. Or in the case of my favorite miracle in Mexico, the bread and the flesh were one that the, the, the host is still there, but you can see the flesh on it, like, like within it, you know, like the, the part of it manifested as flesh, but the rest of it is still the host. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. All right. This is the skeptic in me coming out. So give me some more context. So is that, is that for real? I'm, I'm, I don't know. Cause I'm not Catholic. Yeah. Isn't so. that amazing? So it's really cool because I spoke with two of the doctors that personally analyzed it and the skeptics greatest claim is, Oh, well, you know, all these miracles that were analyzed and all these amazing findings. Yeah. The doctor was probably just given a, a piece of tissue that they didn't know where it came from. And it could have just been a heart tissue and not actually this miracle. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's bogus. Right. Well, I mean, it could happen. I, I mean, I'm not, it could have happened. Right. I don't, I don't believe that because, um, you can say that about anything kind of, but, um, but yeah, so it was great because these two doctors that I spoke with, they actually had the whole host in front of them and cut the piece themselves. So there's like that direct chain of custody right there. Like they cut it themselves and analyzed it themselves. Um, now could someone have like put something on there or something? This is where it gets really interesting because when they looked at it under the microscope, there are, so like, here's like the, here's the, here's the thing, right? Right here is bread. Right here is flesh, right? This is like micron thick right, right. pieces. There's like no technology that can do that. No. You know, that can, that can basically interweave these two items together. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, 
it, it's just amazing. They actually, one of the, one of the things they found was that they found a white blood cell eating a piece of fat. Like it was alive in that moment that they put it in that formaldehyde and froze it. So um, that is just like, holy cow. So in the movie, we're going to like, hopefully have that in CGI so that you can see like what's actually happening. But basically like the miracle happened. And then six years later, this doctor took it. So like it was still alive six years later, you know, so alive that like that white blood cell was eating that. So, um, so I, I don't think that most people understand the significance of that. Why is it so significant that a white blood cell was attacking it? Uh, so white blood cells are only present when there's like trauma. So, cause like, uh, they're like the defenders of the body. So they're not right. normally in the heart. They go there when there's like a heart attack or someone is beaten. Um, but that's the only time that they're there in the heart. The other thing is that this is heart tissue. So that's also like kind of cool, right? right. Uh, wow. This isn't just, this isn't just like a piece of someone's like, uh, like someone cut their finger and they took off the piece of finger that's cut and like put it on there, you know? It's like heart tissue. So you'd have to take like a biopsy of this in order to get this piece of heart. And then somehow you would have to take that thin piece of heart and interpenetrate it into the bread to forge that miracle. Um, so either that happened or these two doctors are lying about where they got the samples from. So, um, and then like, there's the whole technological, like how would you even do that? Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 So, that that's that's my favorite miracle that happened in 2006 and i think it's an important thing to note for all the skeptics out there that are like this is crazy um i'm also like how is this possible this is like crazy um oh one more thing the the blood came from the inside of the host which is kind of cool <laughs> isn't so, that crazy so you're they, they took... oh, i'm sorry go, go ahead. ahead there you go i don't want to hear it well, I'm saying at that point, you're only confronted with two realities. That it is what they say it is, or there's some kind of space age futuristic technology that nobody knows about mm -hmm. to create something, which is harder to believe. And I'm saying this objectively as a non-Catholic. Well, that's pretty cool. I appreciate you saying that because so, um, I'm also kind of in that boat because I'm like, there's so many things like uh, because when you get to like the technical side, it's very, very impressive. Um, it's, it's actually so impressive that the doctor that was analyzing it. So the surgeon is the one that took the sample. Right. And then he brought it to a pathologist. Pathologists study tissues. So what they did is they like cut this piece and then they cut it in these very, very thin layers and then put it in a slide. Or they put like they put it in this thing called paraffin, which like, you know, ca catches it and they cut it very thin and they, they put it under a slide so that you can see it. Well, actually, sorry. First, they take it and then they put it in formaldehyde to preserve it so that you can see the image best. Then they put it in this paraffin wax and then they slice it super thin, you know, and then they put it in a slide and they look at it under the microscope. The pathologist that was looking at it under the microscope was didn't like they said he was like, what is this? And they were like, we're not going to tell you. And he was like, OK, fine. <laughs> they were like, just tell us what you see. So he told them what they saw, like the white blood cell thing and all that stuff. Like six months later, after they were done with the analysis and like had, I guess, given everything to the Vatican or something, they told him, you were looking at a Eucharistic miracle. And he was like, no, <laughs> like, I, I don't believe it. Like, that's impossible. Like, how is that possible? You know? Mm. So it's, it's very similar to like Thomas, like you, I mean, it's, it's a little different, right? But um, like, you can see it with your own eyes. You can be the one analyzing it, but there's still that like, how is this possible? Like, this is impossible. Um, it's, it's just like, I think God is very generous in giving us these because, uh, we don't believe in the Eucharist because of these miracles, I think that's a very important thing. Mm. Um, but because, but we believe because Jesus, who is the most authoritative figure in history said it. And because he said it, we believe, uh, but he gives us these as like a grace, you know, that it's like, okay, uh, help my unbelief, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's why I really like this one in Mexico. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's just crazy stuff, man. It's like when I found out, cause I literally interviewed this doctor that said this like three days ago, like he flew in from Guatemala and, uh, was a very kind man. Like this is the other thing, like all these people, like we have, we have paid like nothing for these people 
to, to interview. Like we just show up at their house and we interview them for like seven hours and they don't ask for money or anything like this, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, I've been kind of surprised because like, I mean, I would, if I were in their spot, I hope I would do the same thing. Um, but like, that's very generous of them to do this stuff. And like, some of them are like doctors working at hospitals and like, we've gone into their hospitals and filmed in the hospitals. And, um, that would be kind of scary to be in that position, you know, cause like who knows what could happen and they could like lose their job or something. Cause someone like up the line doesn't like it, you know, mm-hmm. they got permission of course first, but, um, it's just been really amazing to see like either all these people. Cause at this point I've interviewed one, two three, four, four medical doctors, five medical doctors. Um, so either like all of them are lying, (laughs) which all of them could be lying. Right. Um, (laughs) or this is real. Right. Right. And, and there's more doctors than just those five. Like there are other ones like throughout like different countries and stuff, but we didn't, we didn't speak with them, but all of them are saying the same things. And, uh, that's what I love about these miracles. They have these patterns that are so, that that are just really amazing. But that, that Jesus is so good because he doesn't want our faith to rely just on these miracles. That he like just gives us enough evidence, but not enough to be like this is conclusive. You know, um, to to even satisfy the greatest skeptic. Because even the greatest skeptic would be like, well, I would need to see that doctor taking the sample. I'm not going to take him at his word. You know. And I'm that kind of person because I'd be like Thomas who like, I need to touch your hands, Jesus. I need to put my (laughs) hand through the hole, you know, through the holes in your hand. And I think, you know, I think they know that. Yeah. That, yeah, that this kind of proof is required to give those kind of skeptics. Yeah. If you will, especially those within the faith already. uh, Yeah. That much more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So it's, it's definitely like, um, so these miracles, like the analysis happened in 2012, which is, you know, obviously pretty recent. Um, so I wish I would have been there to like record the whole time of like him actually cutting the sample and stuff like that. But that's where God may allow the opportunity that the pathologist that I worked with for the movie may be able to go down to Mexico and take a sample and do like that same analysis like today where we can actually record all of it. Mm. Um, so if God allows that, that would be great. But I don't need that. Like yeah. some people need that. Um, and I would be happy if God gives the funds to do that, to like perform that sort of analysis. What I would really love to do is take all three of these miracles and get a really small sample from them. And there's this test called like single cell transdometrics or something like that, where they can get like the profile of who this person was. And if all three of those miracles throughout history are the same profile, that's the same person, which means that's Jesus. That would be wild. guess Guess what? You don't need it. Well, I, I don't need it, but guess what? I, w- I would bet there'd still be skeptics out there that would say, well, how do we know that they didn't just take like, you know, someone didn't just like take three samples from the same person and that's what was analyzed instead of this. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think like, that would go back to your original thought. I mean, there's such a strong bias just against Christianity as a whole yeah. out there. A lot of that, like you said, was the media that uh-huh. it doesn't matter what proof or h- how great your chances of probability are. Right. They just don't want to believe. Yeah. I know. I know. So it's really, um, I think, um, like if God allows that, that would be awesome. Uh, there's like some Harvard PhD that I'd have to contact because he's like the expert in that. Uh, and then there'd be like potentially like conflict of interest. Like if you would allow that, mm. cause that could stand a reputation or whatnot. Okay. But, um, I don't know if, if God, like, if there's anything I've seen from this movie is that this is God's movie because he has like made all these connections that are like unbelievable. Um, like I'll just share one. So there's this, uh, this guy named Carlo Acutis. He's now blessed. And, uh, he died when he was 15 from leukemia. He's two years older than me. And, uh, or he would have been two years older than me. We've been trying to get in touch with his mom because his mom's still alive. He like basically put all the Eucharistic miracles on a website and, uh, like did this at 15 years old. Like, wow. 15 years ago, which is amazing. Uh, cause that's like the internet was like relatively new at that point. And, um, we couldn't get any connections and, uh, Angelo, my director is Italian and they're over in Italy. So you think like he knew he had, he knew, he knows like so many people over there and he basically given up. And then his friend that like, doesn't practice any faith anymore messaged him and said, Hey, my brother is like, a, or my uncle's like a Franciscan priest. And, uh, said that, 
he wanted to get you in touch with Carlo Kudis's mom. Would you be interested in that? And we were like, what? That's amazing. Score. So, yeah, so that worked out. And then like this doctor in Poland, right? I've been emailing her for like a year trying to get in touch with her. And uh, like no response, no response. Then this Polish girl heard my director's wife on the Lila Rose podcast and really liked her and said, hey, I'd like to do an interview with you. And she said, oh, great. I'll be in Poland in a couple of weeks. And she said, no way. Where at? And, and she was like, in this country. And she's like, that's like an hour away from me. That's perfect. And she's like, why are you going to Poland? And she's like, to meet with this doctor that we're, we can't get in touch with yet on Eucharistic Miracles. And she's like, oh, I have her cell phone number. Here it is. <laughs> and we're like, what? And then this doctor from Guatemala, right? I, I've been trying to get in touch with him. I actually did get in touch with him, but I, I didn't know if he'd be willing to fly to America to do this movie. Um, my friend Angelo, like the director, right? His friend, he's like, well, I'm going to just message my friend in Mexico and ask him if he knows anyone that might know this doctor. So he messages his friend and he said, oh, that's my family doctor. And he's like, what? So like all this stuff, I'm like, holy moly. Even even down to the little things, like we're filming. We're filming and and our, one of our cameramen is like a five, a five o'clock fight, but there was like this beautiful scenery like 30 minutes away, like of a walk. And he gets a text like right before he's about to leave that his flight's delayed like three hours. Oh, wow. We're like, what the heck? Like. This is crazy stuff, you know, that I'm like, come on, like skeptics. Like, I know, I know you don't believe in God and it's really hard to believe in God and you don't think there's a lot of proofs for it and stuff, but tell me all this is a coincidence. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, this is why, like, I firmly believe that like God wants this movie to happen and he wants people to like adore him in the Eucharist because when he said, I'll be with you always till the end of the age, the Bible wasn't there yet, but the Eucharist was, you know? In fact, if you go back and you reference the one term on the New Testament, it's when Jesus Christ referenced the Eucharist. <laughs> mm. Yes. He said, this is my, when you translate it properly, New Testament, right? And that was the Eucharist. Mm. Yeah. 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 So. Can we pause right there? We're going to do a word from our sponsor. If you ever wanted to train Muay Thai, perhaps there's no gyms near you. Perhaps you work odd hours. Perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, you can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country, either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. LivingMuayThai.com Before we move on, before we move on, Mm -hmm. we're going to do one more beer. (laughs) All right, here we go. Here you go. And uh, I want to announce that the ninja of the night is uh, Dr. Theo, because he snuck in while we were talking. How you doing, sir? Wonderful. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> Good, Theo. So this this gentleman lives in none other than Nepal. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're in the monsoon season, so it's tricky to get electricity and internet and things. So great. We're glad you're alive, brother. Right. <laughs> so this is from Rochester Mills. This is Orange Whip. This is the other one I'm saying is at the top of my list for IPAs. And according to their description, another smoothie hop sensation. This IPA combines citrusy hop flavors of citra and mosaic hops with fresh I'm sorry, fresh oranges, orange zest, subtly sweet lactose, and a hint of vanilla. Once a limited release, now our summer seasonal. It is a 6.5 and a 45 on the IBU. Love the can. <laughs> awesome can. So here we go. We're gonna, How can people say there's no God? <laughs> <laughs> now right off the rip, I'm going to say this one actually has more head than our last one. Yeah. I mean, this thing is quite foamy. Did you try it out the can? Try it out the can first. I mean, you probably already right. have, haven't you? Once or twice. <laughs> mm. This thing is like mm. a beer and a milkshake. Yeah. 
So it's a good thing I'm a vegetarian, not a vegan, because there is a little bit of lactose in this. Mm-mm-mm. So, but that it, is good. It does stay foamy right off the top. It is a little more hazy, however. This is not as clear as the last one. There's a slight haze through it. However, equally as orange. And the aroma off the top, delicious. I really taste the vanilla. The vanilla is yep. good. <laughs> yes. So it has a slight vanilla flavor. Um, that I think that's probably the lactose. Mm. So, but it's it's very good. So, in your opinion, mm-hmm. because these are my top two right now when it comes to citrusy, fruity IPAs, which one do you like? Uh, this one. This one's. <laughs> I would stock this one. I drink that one anytime for sure. I mean, it's yeah. they're both they're both quality. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but. I mean, if I'm going from one to ten, yeah, this is probably an eight. All right. So All I would right. probably put that one around six or seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this this one right here may have dethroned, possibly have dethroned my Tropicana. This is special. But it's so close back and forth. They're so very good. <laughs> so, Theo, sir, question for you. You got to hear a little bit of this. What do you think of this uh, this Eucharistic miracle stuff? Well, it's it's compelling because I've been studying some things, uh, and uh, you know, Christianity in Nepal is is relatively new. Uh, it started in the 1950s, actually, and the big neo reform movement is strong here. That's where a lot of the support is, and. There's, there's a lot of people here that, that struggle because we're in the 1040 window, uh, the 1040 window missionally. So when missionaries talk about the 1040 window, that's the majority of the world's population uh, following the lines of, uh, you know, the longitude, latitude lines, the 1040 lines. And the majority of that world believes in the supernatural. And then uh, your audience and myself have done a lot of work with Dr. Heiser's work in the supernatural and the unseen realm, which corresponds, but there's a lot of reform people who are cessationists. And so I was studying before I saw your uh, podcast coming up and I noticed that uh, there's a great argument in the Protestant Reformation that when the Protestant Reformation comes along, they don't really have the miracles to back them up. You know, so they 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 largely follow you know Hume and Locke mainly, starting back at maybe Scotus, then Scotus, but going into to uh, Locke and then Hume and this humane idea of the non miraculous, and and so that's where we as moderns in the West have become so skeptical of miracles. But over here, mm. it's a normal, ordinary, everyday part of your life. In the ten forty window, everybody's a supernaturalist. It's the West who have <laughs> followed Hume to be so skeptical that God or gods could be doing anything. And so it's interesting to me that at the Protestant Reformation, you know, they're saying that we're cessationists, that there was only miracles up until the time of the, well, what you just said, New Testament, Bible, you know, uh, to, to take what you just said. That, that just really resonated with me. And, and so they say, you know, when the apostles died and anyone their hands laid upon, those could do the miracles and that's it. So they believe in cessation. There's no miracles. And then you have the Catholic Church, which they're protesting against, who can consistently show this, these signs, these wonders. But as, as your guest said, as, uh, as he said, um, you know, it's not that we believe in this because of the miracles, but the miracles are like the added grace, that extra, you know, uh, we don't believe necessarily in Jesus because of that. And so I've seen that here in my work where, you know, as I've been out on the cutting edge in the villages doing things, I've seen some supernatural things. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't see that as a problem, uh, but I don't see it all the time. So it's not, it's a balance because Everyone's concerned about the other side where even Dr. Heise's work, people criticizes that, that there's certain 
aspects of Christianity that take these things too far. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing miracles every day. They're seeing demons every 30 seconds coming out of the woodwork. You know, they, they just go way too far. <laughs> yeah. And so Dr. Heiser's been pushed and say, well, you have to be careful of, of your work because people abuse it. Yeah. Uh, but but why? Why why should the truth, you know, because people abuse it. So there are people that are too far on the miracle side, you know, where they're seeing so many miracles and then you find out they're not, they're lying or whatever. Then there's people on the other side that there's not, there's no miracles. Yeah. You know, and it's almost to the point, I like what Dr. Heiser says, if we can believe in the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then why do we find some of these other things that are uh, less uh, significant? Uh, and why can't we believe in those? Yeah. You know, so he's yeah. presenting a case here that God is still speaking yeah. through the miracles. And something like this could be very beneficial if it's in balance. I it agree. could be beneficial Absolutely. to the 1040 window. Where, you know, Gumby's speaking on behalf of the West. Well, you know, I am so oh, no. skeptical. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, he did. He was he was saying, you know, I come from that Western skeptical background and I'm you know, I'm trying to understand what you're saying from that yeah. mindset. Right. But, but we were given that, we were given that from um uh John Milbank describes it as uh we're uh, sorry. <laughs> I've been around hound too much, Zachariah. But anyway, <laughs> John Milbank describes, um, you know, modernity took this wrong turn with the beginning, uh, maybe even before SCOTUS, maybe with William of Ockham, but begin making this turn away from these things. Fallen Hume, and we got away. And now there's this postmodern movement that is deconstructing everything. And John Milbank, using uh, what his movement's called radical orthodoxy, is is coming back and saying we can return to some of these places that 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 we went off track back when uh, William Malkin and Duns Scotus right before Luther caused these significant changes and got us off track and so um, it's it's because Westerners have gone this track and then the Protestant Reformation capitalized on that along with the many other things they did that we got away from the, this supernatural aspect yeah. of the worldview. Well, and I'm in that worldview every day. And this, what he's saying is remarkable, yeah. would fit well. And, and it's, it's not out of balance. And it's, it's allowing science uh, as, as the postmodernists are doing, they're saying, you know, we've moved beyond Hume. Science can work in these areas, believe it or not. There is a balance where science is an, can operate yeah. in the metaphysical. And so it fits exactly with what I've been studying from Milbank, from uh, others like David Bentley Hart out of Eastern Orthodoxy. You know, it, it fits right in line with that, that, that yeah. science and the supernatural actually can work together. It's just that we have old data mm. that's stuck in the back of our brains that we have not challenged until now, until the postmodern movement, which is a bad term. And, and really, postmodernists don't call themselves postmodernists because the label we put on them. But it's it's moving away from that wrong turn that we made back in the day of, of Occam and, and uh, Duns Scotus, which Luther capitalized on because it was is a part of his environment from which sprang forth the Protestant Reformation. And some people moved away from the miraculous. Yeah. And the the Catholic Church is saying, but God's always verified with the miracles and the signs he's always done and continues to do this and the cessation of saying no there's no miracles so we're skeptics we're critical and science and the miraculous cannot happen and what i'm trying to tell you long story short is no it can and there are many good theologians and scholars uh are saying it's possible that these two are now coming back together and and we're moving away from that that wrong turn that was made. Yeah. So I'm excited because it confirms a lot of the research that I've been doing. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, good. it dovetails. Yeah, and what's really nice is that it shows that science and the supernatural can coexist. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I really like what you said there. I never thought about it like that. Um, yeah. No, that's a really good point. And um, I think. Um, I'm going to say something that may not be super uh, well received with my Catholic friends. I am a uh, 
you hear things like all the time about like these crazy miracles that happen. And um, not that I like doubt the Holy Spirit and like how God can work, right? But I'm not gonna accept every single thing that people say. And I think it's very dangerous when us as Christians have to be like, you have to believe that, or you like don't trust in God or something. <laughs> right. I think that's very important to not do because I think that's what's driven a lot of these new atheists. Sure. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, we can't like automatically doubt all those. It's like the the reactionary side, like either way. But um, what I really, I, I want to share is that when I was coming into this, I was like, part of me was like, man, I really hope these miracles aren't fake. Cause like, um, eventually I'm going to be judged. And if I'm like going around and sharing something that's a lie, I'm going to hell. Right. Um, because, uh, I basically led people astray and, um, like who is the father of lies. Right. Mm. Um, like unless I repented, like, right. You know, but, um, so when I was going at all this, I was like, like in all of my trips and speaking with all these doctors, like I didn't let up and like, just like, Oh, okay. That's great. Like, like this confirms what I believe. So I'm going to like, I asked them the questions that uh, the skeptics had asked and was very amazed by their responses. One of the things I wanted to share is Dr. Serafini in Italy, who wrote a 200 page book on Eucharistic miracles from a medical perspective. He had a Bishop contact him twice about two different alleged Eucharistic miracles that when he analyzed, it was just a bread mold. Mm. And uh, I thought that was really profound because it showed the church's healthy skepticism in not immediately publishing this as a miracle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, not automatically shutting it down. So um, that was really cool to see. And we see that through several uh, alleged miracles uh, in, in recent history. Uh, I think that's kind of one of the blessings that we have yeah. today with science where maybe in the past people would have thought these things were miracles, but they actually weren't. Um, um, or maybe they were, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it yeah. was cool to see that. And, uh, and uh, like, I was really grateful that I was able to ask these questions and get the answers that I hope will um, help bring people to, to the idea that, you know, maybe these are authentic. Oh, it's really um, interesting. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I probably only have about five more minutes left. So, okay. uh, well, then, you know. well, then, uh, two more things I wanted to verify with you because from what I understand, all of them are, have the same blood type. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, hmm. the, the one in Lanciano is, uh, AB, um, same thing with the one in Tixla. That one is actually AB negative. They found like the positive or negative for that one. Um, you have to have like a certain amount of blood to do that. In Poland, they didn't test for the blood. I don't know why they didn't. But in uh, in Argentina, it was also AB blood. So, um, hmm. and then I always like to say AB blood was found on the shroud trance. That was pretty cool too. Um, but it, it's really neat, uh, and all of them are heart tissue, which is really great. Yeah. Um, DNA testing was all like inconclusive. They could find that it was human, but they couldn't get a profile from it. Um, the the doctor in Mexico said like I did DNA testing five days a week for years, and this never happened. Hmm. So. It was cool to hear that. And um, again, he could be lying. So for all those skeptics out there, he could be lying. But <laughs> right at, at the end of the day, like there's there's a trust in any analysis done by any doctor, you know? Yeah. Um, like when, when do you ever like go to the doctor and they, they tell you what the result is and you're like, you're lying. <laughs> you know, you might get a second opinion. And that's oh, yeah. what I did in the movie. I got a second opinion from yeah. another doctor that analyzed it, you know? And uh, so that's, that's pretty great. So you have a few minutes left. Let's hear about the team that you had working on this movie and where people can find it at. Yeah, so our website is eucharisticmiraclesmovie.com. Um, so you can go there and see all the people we interviewed, the places we went. Um, but we had, a, a, I'm so grateful, our director uh, is an Oscar award winner and he worked on the Avengers and the new Lion King movie, um, other Marvel movies he cannot say yet because... <laughs> that you know oh that's um, not cool <laughs> i know i know so he's super talented and uh just a really awesome guy trusts so much in god and like this guy prays like two hours a day and then works like 15 hours a day mm. um he's just amazing so he's had 35 years in, in hollywood and um just amazing so he's been really good uh we have uh, a cinematographer from chicago super awesome guy 
And uh, then we have a Franciscan friar who's our other cameraman. And uh, that's been really cool having him on board because it has been super stressful and he's just kept his peace the whole time. And uh, I think what's been really amazing is I've never been on a project in my life where everyone works just as hard, if not harder than me. And um, it's it's because we're doing this for Jesus, you know, and like the salvation of souls. And to see that mm. is just amazing. Um, Cause like I, I have a full-time job. So like I literally get off work, have dinner with my wife and kids, put them to bed. And then I'm working on this, you know? So it has been, we've been like nonstop since September. And uh, my guardian angel has been very helpful in this, uh, in helping me write the script. And uh, the Holy Spirit has just opened all of these doors. It has been crazy. I'm just like, holy cow. But the the probably the coolest thing has been, we, we were able to go to mass in Poland and to receive the Eucharist. And then to like go before the Eucharistic miracle and be like, this is what I'm actually receiving. The heart of Jesus that like helps me have a, a soft heart to love like he loves, you know, mm. um, that was just so cool. You know, we hear about being becoming partakers in the divine nature. How more can you become a partaker in the divine nature than by just by receiving? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So there's, there's just so many things. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So feel free to check out our website. Um, we're going to film some live action scenes. So like John six that I mentioned before, we're actually have that acted out, you know, so that people can see that, uh, the road to Emmaus, obviously the last supper and other scenes. So, um, we're hoping to do that in the next couple of weeks. Um, it all depends on locations and how expensive things are and whatnot, but, uh, we're doing the best we can. <laughs> Now, do you still need any donations for the movie at all? Does anything help still? Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, COVID has been very interesting. In uh, <laughs> making, we spent about uh, we spent several thousand dollars on COVID tests because uh, we we took six COVID tests in like twelve days because of all these countries you went to and stuff. So, uh, all the support we can get because basically, like, the more support we get, the more epic it is. Uh, we have like 300,000 raised right now. Um, but like, what's your typical movie budget, right? Yeah. Um, so if, if we're able to do that, we can have like better editing, better sound because like these Disney, like we're hoping to have editors from Disney like edit it, you know? Um, but they're like very expensive. So there may be a point where we have to be like, we, this is good enough. Like this is all the money we have, you know? Yeah. So, um, so is that the same website they would go to, to, to donate? Yeah. Yep. There's a, there's a fun option there. Um, so yeah, any funds. And then we're having a red carpet premiere in California when the movie comes out, just like any other movie. So we'll, we'll all be there and, um, it's going to be really great to, to have everyone there to see this film that, um, will hopefully release on December 12th, which is the feast of our lady of Guadalupe. Awesome. Cause we always say Mary brings us to Jesus and there's no better way to be brought to Jesus than in the Eucharist. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just really awesome. And, uh, we hope what will come out of this is like a great love for the sacred heart of Jesus, you know? Yeah. Cause I think it's fair to say, no matter what you believe, no matter what faith or no faith, we have a big heart problem in our world, right? That's good. There's so much hatred and apathy and yeah. uh, like if we could, if we could somehow receive the heart of Christ to transform our hearts. That would be amazing. And we can, right? Right. Uh, but will we let his grace change us? You know, mm. that's the question. That's good. And uh, that's, yeah. So. Amen. It has been a pleasure having you on. I know you have to go. So are you have any last words for our audience? Uh, you've been phenomenal. I've enjoyed everything you've said. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would just say um, just to like meditate on the heart of Christ that loves us so much and suffered so much for us, you know, and uh, to to try to like in that meditation help us carry our own crosses because our lives are hard, right? Absolutely. Or maybe they're not hard right now, but they will be. And um, Jesus is like he is the source, right? Um, and like he bared all of our crosses, right? Um, and he's like, just to ask him to help. Uh, Cause I think 
it's so easy to despair or become saddened um, or to give up, but like his grace is sufficient. And um, there's literally like the, the Eucharist is the greatest source of grace because it's literally him. Um, but, but scripture is such a powerful source as well and uh, is definitely a, a thing that we need to, to meditate on more often. I think that people don't believe in Jesus because they don't read scripture. Because um, if they did, they would realize how living it is. Amen. You know, how many times, how many times, I mean, how many times have you guys read like the word of God and, and been like, oh my gosh, that was like speaking to me like exactly there. Yes. Over and over and over again. <laughs> and it's like, um, like Father Mike Schmitz is doing a Bible in a Year podcast, which is really great. It's like yeah. one of the, yeah. So um, it's just like, I don't know if you guys have met holy people before. Um, hopefully you have, but like the holiest people I know are the ones that like love scripture. And, um, and when I say love, they like read it every day, every day. And I'm not, I'm not super holy, right? Like I, I try to listen to scripture every day, but I, I know that like I need to do like four in the morning, like first thing I do, you know? Um, but uh, it's it's almost like, it's almost like, uh, like that's why I love being Catholic and having like the daily readings, you know? Cause it's, it's like something that, that you connect with and like the whole church is, but um, mm. I just think that that's a, a super under or underestimated element is that like um, this is something that uh, has changed the world and um, it's changed the world by changing the people that have read it. Right. Amen. So we've got to, we got to remember that. So. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> McGumby. Uh, yeah. uh, Ray, I appreciate uh, everything that you did, your research and your commitment to the faith and yes. And all of that. And um speaking just to the Protestant side of people and evangelicals and all my people, uh, man, have an open mind, have an open heart to, um, to what you're saying, you know, especially in terms of the science and all of that, uh, yeah. in the Catholic church. I love that there's a stringent process that it has to grow. Th- it has to go through. It's like he said, Absolutely. they're just not accepting everything as a miracle. You got to meet certain, uh, you know, criteria. Oh Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's they, that's balance yeah. right there. Yeah. You know, they're just yeah. not letting anything through just for the sake of saying, "Oh yeah, look at all the miracles we have." No, <laughs> it's not like that. So please keep an open heart and um, keep loving. So I appreciate yeah. your work. I really yeah. do. Theo, yeah, any, thank you so much. Theo, any last words? Uh, just uh, exactly what Gumby said. You know, um, the Catholic Church has a wonderful tradition. Uh, you know where. Most Protestants want this modern version of freedom and private interpretation, but mm. it has to it has to uh, meet with the entirety. And so the, the wondrous tradition in the Catholic Church is that Scripture is not what I think it says, and I can get off track. I have to be able to speak within the community. So in academics, if I present a paper, it's going to be checked by all the other academics, and hopefully it's going to push the dialogue further for clarity. So uh, as Gumby said, you know, as we have to be careful when we go either way out of balance uh, in these small miracles that that we say is God and it doesn't have the proof, but at the same time uh, to be totally skeptical that science and miracles can happen and finding that that common ground in the middle where the tradition of the church is that all of us together can experience this. And mm. it's not its not an individual experience. And that's the danger that you get involved in is these individualized experiences where then someone claims that they're, you know, whatever and become this next Messiah, false Messiah, but <laughs> that we experience it corporately as the body of Christ. All right. of us can experience it together and we can trust it because all of us are experiencing it together and we all balance each other out as each one's gift edifies each other. And so it's a corporate analogy. So that's what I love about the Catholic tradition. Amen. That's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ, not just Christians. Um, I am holy, but it's he's holy and we all participate in that. 
and it's not private interpretation it's not one gift or miracle it's you know it's the whole entire church together as one so that's what's phenomenal so i appreciate this very much amen that's good deal i want to ask all of our listeners to please consider donating over to at eucharisticmiracles.movie.com because this is a yes. message that needs to be out there more and more people need to open their eyes and their hearts and realize that, like Theo said, we are a corporate body of Christ. We all need to come together, unified under Him. And this is the best way to really get the message out there. So please really consider donating to that. And please visit us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. We're there. Feel free to donate at either our Patreon or at simplyanchor.fm. Bible over Bruce. Yeah. Godspeed. It's not the taboo of a brew.